Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hi, everybody, and thank you once again for joining me on this very special edition with my guest today, Pamela Jane Nye. Thank you for joining me today, Pam. Thank you so much, Marcia, for for having me uh, come. I'm so excited to talk to your listeners about nurses. I know, and I just have to tell those of you that are local people, uh, Pam was actually on our local KTLA Channel 5 News today. She's had a very busy morning, but if you know anything about nurses, it's not unusual. Nurses are very productive people. And this particular time, this particular week, we are celebrating nurses. And I just want you to know that Pam is the founder and the executive director of Operation Scrubs, and she is also the CEO and owner of Neuroscience Nursing LTD. Both of these are nonprofits. And I had to look this up, Pam, because I didn't know, so I looked it up to see when did the actual National Nurses Week began, and I saw that actually it was a day to start with that Ronald Reagan um, organized, but on May the 6th of 2000, and, well, 30 years ago, so do the math, 30 years ago, National Nurses Week became a week that goes from the 6th to the 12th, and I just want to personally thank you and all of the nurses out there for what you all do because there isn't anyone, there isn't anyone listening today that hasn't had an, uh, a reaction, a, a relationship, something that has to do with a nurse, and that is the focus of our show, so thank you, and I thought Maybe, Pam, where we could talk is let's just start with a little bit about yourself. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Sure. You know, I've been a nurse now for more than 30 years, and I'm not going to start when I was a girl of five, but when I was a girl of 19, I was working in a hospital where back in the day we used paper charts. So the doctors and the physical therapists and everyone would write their notes in a paper chart that was kept at the nurse's station. That tells you how really old I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I, but you what weren't a candy striper, was, right? Pam, you weren't a candy striper. I was. Striper. You were, is that what you were? <laughs> yes. At 19, were you, did you start as a candy striper? No, I wasn't 19 when I was a candy striper. I was more like 16 when I was a candy striper. Wow. So for those of you that are way too young to too old too young to know about this that was very common wasn't it for people to be candy stripers wow okay i didn't mean to interrupt you okay that because you're right it's 19 you were already past the age of being a candy striper okay so now back to those paper charts i'm sorry to interrupt (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, my job, which was in a hospital, it was in a hospital radiology department as Back in the day, they were called secretaries. They're called administrative assistants nowadays. And my job was to transcribe the radiologist's report about what he saw on an X-ray. And once I had typed it all out and made it beautiful, my job then was to take it up to the floor and to put that piece of paper in the patient's chart so that everyone could read it. And when I'd go up there, I would... You know, I would interact with the nurses. They more or less ignored me, but I would watch them, and I would think, "Gosh, they're so smart. They're so they're so wonderful." And and they talk to the doctors, and they don't seem at all nervous. And I was thinking, "Gosh, I could never be. I could never be them. I could never be a nurse. I'm just." And so I, I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to call the school of nursing. And just inquire, right? All I wanted to know was what is a nurse, what does it take to be a nurse, that kind of thing. And strangely enough, the director of nursing of that program picked up the phone and was talking to me. And she said, well, I'm so sorry, Pam, that there's there's no openings for you to start with our next class or anything. And I thought, start? I had no intention of starting, for goodness (laughs) sake. And... She said, but you know what, we'll keep you on our waiting list. And I thought, okay, oh, sure, you know. And we had a nice conversation, and I hung up, and I didn't think more, anything more about it. Until a week later, when one of their applicants dropped out, and this this lady called me and said, you can join our class in the fall. And within a week, I was sitting in class as a student nurse. And I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> and... The more I learned about what they did and what they knew and how they interacted with doctors and the other therapists and the other hospital employees, the more I thought, this is, this is for me. I was born to be a nurse. I was born to be with people that are suffering or hurt, and I think I can do this. And so um, three or four years later, when my program ended back in this day, it was called a diploma program. And these were programs that were affiliated with hospitals. In other words, I didn't, I wasn't enrolled in college. I was enrolled in a school of nursing. And three years later, I graduated. And this kind of a nurse, a diploma nurse, really was educated to hit the ground running. We were taught exactly what it what took to be a nurse with very little orientation. Today's nurses get about six weeks of orientation. I'm here to tell you, I didn't get six weeks. I was lucky if I got three days. And I started working. And before I knew it, I was in love with nurses and nursing. And my first job ended up being in the tiniest little hospital, get a load of this, no laughing, in Okaboji, Iowa. Okay, yeah, we've I know. all heard never... that. <laughs> yes, that's just what I was about to say. Um, it was a 100-bed hospital, and it was um, it was in a lake. It was in a resort area, if there's such a thing, in Iowa. That's where I was born and raised, where there were three 
lakes, and they, where they all came together, there was a hospital. Because in the wintertime, when the snow was deep and it was icy cold and the fishermen were doing their ice fishing, the, the population went down to about 2,500 people. But in the summertime, all the people from Minnesota and from Nebraska and from South Dakota and Minnesota came to this little lake area to come to their cabins where they would vacation and spend the summer. And the population rose up to 100,000. Wow. So this is where I got my feet wet. This is where my first hospital experience was. Wow. So during that time, I, I was like a year out of, out of uh, nursing school at that point. And I remember very clearly, and I've been asked about this several times, um, what, where did you get your passion for nursing? Well, I can almost tell you the day that it happened. Really? And since you're into stories, I am. Let me, yeah, let me tell you my story of how. Well, let me just tell you the story. Sure. I arrived in the morning to get my assignment from the night nurse, and the night nurse said, "We have a young man here. He's 25 years old. He's in a coma, and he was in a motorcycle accident, and he may not survive." And here I am, like 23 years old, thinking, holy smokes, I'm going to experience my first patient death. I don't know if I'm ready for this. So the night nurse said, the most you can do for him is keep his body clean and private, keep him turned and dry, keep him comfortable so that if he looks like he could be in pain, make sure you give him something for his pain, and keep his family comfortable. Help them accept what might be coming down the road in the next few days. And I thought, holy cow, wow, oh my goodness sakes. So I went into the room, and this was back in the day when a nurse, you know, walked into the room. She had her cap on. She had her white uniform on, white nylons, white shoes. And I was the epitome of the iconic nurse trimmed fingernails, hair up off the shoulders. I looked like a nun, kind of. <laughs> and I walked in, and I walked into this young man's room, and I did the unforgivable. I sat on the edge of his bed, and I wrapped my blood pressure cuff around his arm and started pumping up the blood pressure cuff and just sort of absentmindedly said, good morning. And he, with his eyes closed, said, good morning. <gasps> Wow, that gave me goosebumps. Well, it does me too, even today. And this is 30 years later. Wow. And I thought I had awakened the dead. Hmm. I had no idea that he would ever speak to me. His eyes were closed and he looked forevermore like a sleeping prince. Mm -hmm. But he was talking to me. And. I went on to study this. I was so fascinated by what happened that day. It was a pivotal moment in my life. Sure, sure. And so I started studying it, and then once I educated myself, found that this is the way a brain-injured person awakens from a coma. That if you Hmm. just leave them lying in the bed and you don't talk to them ever, 
they will continue to lie in the bed. And so you have to make demands of them. You have to tell them, open your eyes. And you would think, gosh, do you have to tell people to open their eyes? Yeah, you do. So this moment, he... And the next day I was I was taking care of him again, and then the next day again. And little by little by little, he awoke from his coma. I don't know if I had anything to do with it. I'd like to think I did. Mm. And he eventually opened his eyes. He recognized his family. He started talking. And this young 25-year-old who was destined to die was going to live. Wow. And wow. Isn't that a story? It's a it's a story and you know it's hard not for me not to jump in on your story based on my life experience and remembering when my mother was in a coma and you know wasn't expected to survive and everything that we were told at that time now we're talking many many years ago my Gosh, my mom passed away in 1989. But what they Mm -hmm. said was the last thing that goes, this is what I remember, and you correct me, was their hearing. Just keep talking. They may not open their eyes. They may not be able to speak, but they know. I mean, this could bring me to tears, but they know you're there, so keep talking talking and you just you just spoke that and i know that everybody has their own nursing stories we all do we're really talking kind of about nurses in a hospital setting because obviously they're what do we do without the nurses at our doctor's office that that you know go between us and the doctor you guys are the go go between people that we count on so much not that we don't count on our doctors but let's face it it starts with the nurse, in my personal opinion. Um, so you just you brought up a memory for me that is, I mean, my mom was really young. She was only 60 years old. And um, so I can see where, because you started, as I made you say, as a candy striper back in the day, and I have, listen, I have a lot of friends that are nurses. I have very good friends that I met in junior high school that both became nurses, and one was even in Vietnam as part of her nursing career. We understand the value of the nurse. So um, I don't want to just take us down that other location because really what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about your organizations and the incredible things that you're doing. So let's let's talk about Operation Scrubs, which which in itself is such a great name operation scrubs because we all know that scrubs are what you wear that those are those green and blue uniforms let's call them that you wear so and i know it's a nonprofit. can you tell us a little bit about your mission um with operation scrubs absolutely i created operation scrubs actually i created neuroscience nursing first and then operation oh, scrubs okay. was a branch of it yes okay and now Operation Scrubs has taken on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. And I created it um, to provide um, cost-effective nurse education, which I'll explain a little more later, Okay. and to honor the work of nurses. You know, when, okay. when nurses um, 
get their licenses renewed every year. Mm-hmm. That's done by each and individual state. And I'm in the state of California where I'm expected to get 30 year 30 years, feels like 30 years, 30 mm-hmm. hours of nurse education in order to renew my license so that I can prove to the to the world that I'm capable, educated, and I haven't I'm not just resting on my laurels of education that I got in the 1970s and 80s. Mm-hmm. So it's very expensive for nurses to do that. You know, they can go do to conference. Every, and cost. How often do you renew your your license? Well, it varies from state to state, but in California okay. we renew it every two years. Two years. All right, just as an example. Yeah. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, okay. that's okay. Um, so it becomes a little bit of a financial, I wouldn't say a burden necessarily, but it's it's something that that costs nurses money. And nurses mm-hmm. don't make a lot of money. They're not the highest paid individuals on the planet. So I thought, well, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so as often as possible, I give free education to nurses. And because I'm a board of registered nursing provider in California, I can set my own pricing. And I set it just as low as possible, sometimes $10, sometimes $20, just to cover my expenses. But on the whole... I can save hospitals a lot of money because many of these nurses then are reimbursed. Many are not. It depends on the size of the hospital. You know, some some hospitals have very large budgets that's earmarked for educating their nurses because they can't practice without a current license. Mm-hmm. So that's one aspect of what what I do with Operation Scrubs. But the second aspect, which I think you're most interested in, is the honoring of the work of nurses every day. Now, before 2020, which was the year of the nurse, and we'll talk about that maybe a little later, before 2020, nurses really didn't get much in the way of honoring. Each individual hospital would would spend uh, some money and buy flowers and chocolates and whatnot for the nurses uh, during Nurses Week. And in some cases, they would they would honor the nurses with a special certificate. And I thought, you know, I can do better. I really believe I can do better. And that's when I created the scholarships. And there are eight of them. Um, as well as giving um, honor to nurses, now, how can we do that? Well, nurses oftentimes, you know, they're given, like I said, a box of candy or a bouquet of flowers, and there isn't a nurse alive that would turn those down. But I thought we could do better. The doctors used to take fabulous trips, and the nurses would go to a conference room somewhere and spend eight hours behind a PowerPoint. And I thought, gosh, there's got to be a way. So what I've decided to do and it, we had our pilot program in 2019 of the uh, Operation Scrubs nurse honoring event. And it was on a yacht. And some of these nurses were like, oh, my gosh, you know, they'd never, ever heard of or seen anything like this. And so we, I gave them top quality education in the daytime. And then at night, 
We took them on a harbor cruise, gave them a gourmet dinner. We played music, and they mm-hmm. danced. And they, you know, nurses are predominantly women, and they danced with each other. They didn't mm-hmm. care. They mm-hmm. did line dancing, and they had so much fun. <laughs> and I got so much feedback from the people that were able to participate in this, and I thought, I'm going to do this again. Mm-hmm. So I started planning for the year 2020, the year yeah. of the nurse, the 200th birthday of Florence Nightingale. Oh. Well, we all, yeah. And we all know what happened in 2020. Yes. Right? Between the political strife and the racial unrest and the pandemic, the Nurses Week celebrations got swept under the carpet. Yeah. And we didn't even know, you know, we didn't even know that they were occurring. Well, that's what happened to my 2020 event. So I decided... Okay, I am undaunted. I am going to resurrect this in the year 2021, and I'm going to call it the year of the nurse plus one. There you go. That's great. The year of the nurse plus one. I love that. I I, I would I would um, let people know that you definitely have websites. I have. Um, put them in my blog for people to to follow along so that wherever you're listening to this um, show today, uh, whether it's on your favorite podcast app or it's on any of the social media um, platforms, you will definitely be able to just go to this later this afternoon when I when I post our follow up and put this embedded link there for everyone, Pam. Everyone will be oh, able to great. see how to do that because I'm I know that people are not necessarily taking notes while we're speaking, but I I do want people to know that you do make this very interesting. So this is the year of the nurse plus one. Yes. That's so great. we're going to we're going to have more fun than ever. Good for good because good for on May twelfth, which is um, the last day of Nurses Week, we are going to be unveiling the wall, Wonderful. and I hope we can talk about the wall a little oh, yes. bit. Yes, yes. Um, the well, I the wall is the virtual wall of nurse gratitude. Let's talk and about it. Let's just 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 tell us about it. We don't I know we have questions that we're looking at Pam, but we're right there. So so tell us about about the wall what we're, what you're talking about. Well, you know, it sort of came to me one day and I was thinking, gosh, there's got to be a way, an enduring way, a meaningful way for us to honor nurses, not just during nurses week, but forever mm-hmm. and you know I, I don't want to be morose but you know the the vietnam wall is a wonderful place for families and friends of people who fought in the vietnam war to go right. and look for a name on that wall and they could leave a flower there or they many of them you'll see, you see pictures taken where they are just touching the wall absolutely and I thought, wouldn't wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a wall for the nurses. Mm-hmm. And so the wall was created. It's a virtual wall. You can't touch it, but you can log on to it and you can read it. And you can see the many people who have logged on just to give a very short message of appreciation, gratitude, support. 
You can mention a nurse by name. You can mention nurses as a group. Right. And leave your message there on the wall. And it's going to endure. It's going to be there for a very, very long time. But more than having you go on to the wall, if a nurse is having a really bad day, and we do, mm-hmm. he or she can log on to that wall and read the many hundreds and thousands of people who do appreciate our work because those messages will be there. I'm looking um, at your page right now, and I'm looking at the challenge invitations, and I have um, put instructions on my blog, and I will do that once again so that people can comfortably find how to do this because not only are you there, but you have team businesses. And we're not talking yeah. about small business. We're talking about Amazon and Costco and Google. We're talking about huge businesses. We're talking about healthcare people. We're talking about entertainment people. Just about everybody in the entertainment field has a place where you can log in and and be with them on the wall. You've got all the sports teams from Every sport, baseball, basketball, boxing, golf, hockey, you name it, it's there. You've got media giants, Disney, ABC, Fox, all of NBC, all of, these, all of these organizations are all part of what it is that you are doing. Um, I'm just a team, uh, Ellen DeGeneres. It's just, it's remarkable what's happening because I'm telling you, and, and I know I've repeat, I'm repeating myself, but where yes, we need doctors. I am not, but we're not talking about physicians today. We are talking about what you do and how you just broke protocol and sat on the bed when you probably weren't, in quotes, supposed to do that. And look at how that one event changed your life. Yes. Listen to how I felt when you were talking about that because what went on in my body was my experience. Yes. You, you're, you're scared if you have a family member. And not everybody in the hospital is having a bad experience. You know, babies are born in hospitals. That's a pretty darn exciting experience. <laughs> but sometimes that goes wrong too. It happened yes. to me. It yes. happened to me. And it's like, what do you mean you have to transfer my daughter to another hospital? What are you talking about? She was premature. She had a serious blood condition. She needed a transfusion. They weren't capable of doing that there. She's being rushed by ambulance to Cedar sinai Oh, my God. You're looking around going, my husband's not here right now. Who do, who's going to hug me? You know, I, I mean, you, we all have stories. And I, I think that people go into this field for a variety of reasons, but clearly you have to love humanity. And I hope it starts with yourself. And then you want to share that love and that experience and that sense of well-being along with the academic program. My goodness, it's not like, oh, it's no big deal, you just, you know... I have so many friends, like I say, that not only are nurses, but are also, that also teach nursing. And your your universe is 
it's really, really special. And I think you have a, this humongous challenge, don't you, as to how many nurses you would like, to, how many people you would like to see um, achieve um, writing on this wall, don't you? Absolutely. What's your goal? <laughs> well, the goal is a billion. I want to be okay. able to say one day, thanks a billion. Mm-hmm. To all the people all over the world who have taken the time to write a two-minute message. Right. And it's, there's no cost. The cost mm-hmm. is two minutes of your time. And I think most people have two minutes to give. I would agree. Um, one of the things that could happen is um, there could be a Team Marsha. Mm-hmm. I could start a You team. don't have to be. Yes, you could. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, on the May 12th event, we're going to encourage people to do just that, to create their own teams nice. and see how many people they can get to join their team by writing that's, a very short message. That's perfect. In today's social media, and we all have our own personal opinions on how we are all affected by social media, I can't do a business that I do and let people know what I do, which is what I love, without social media. And sure. therefore, when you have you know, your Twitter following, your LinkedIn following, your Facebook following, wherever it is that you are, Instagram, you have people that follow you. And I followed, I got on Team Pam, but I understand now from you, and this, this is important to understand, this isn't just a week-long event. It Initially it was, but it's no longer a week-long event. Is that correct? That is correct. It's going, we're, we're calling 2021 the year of the Nurse Plus One, and it ends when 2021 ends. So it's going to go okay. on for the, the rest of the year. And the, um, the wall will be there forever. The wall can go on for 20, 22, 23, 24, however long someone Lovely. feels the need to honor a nurse. Hmm. You know, I was just, I, you know, it was also just occurring to me as you're speaking because it's what I love about what I do because my mind will wander based on what you say. I could see where a nurse would start her own page and thank the nurses that she's worked with over the years, whether it is here, whether it's there, whether it's out of the country. Like I said, on Veterans Day, I had (coughs) two people join me that were nurses in Vietnam. This this show was on, I don't know, three years ago. And um, I just... I could see that there's a lot of ways that people could start their own team and encourage the people that are part of their circle to write on this virtual wall. I, I, just, I just think it's, it's tremendous. I, I, I really do. Are you happy with the way it's progressing thus far? Yes, it's, it's uh, moving along slowly. It's gaining uh-huh. um, some attention and some popularity, Good. and I was lucky enough to have been invited to KTLA, which is Channel 5. It's one of the largest uh, television stations in the Los Angeles area for an interview today. So I've had a very busy day. Yes, you have. 
Yes, it was nice. And as a (laughs) yes, as as a result, um, you know, a a press release went out about it today, and we've had people from all parts of the United States, including Europe, including um, Asia, logging on and looking at what we're doing, and there are nurses everywhere. There are not, you know, I did part of my graduate work in London. And during that time, um, you know, you you get to know that they're, that nurses are really made of the same fiber, mm-hmm. whether they're speaking German or whether they're speaking French or whether they're speaking with a British accent. Correct. That you know they're they're very beloved, and and I've said many times over, this is not to denigrate or to downplay the work of the physician. No, they, not at all. You know, they're amazing people. They really are. But if a physician were to be completely honest with you, he would pro- he or she would probably uh, say that they learned at the knee of a nurse. Because Isn't nurses are those, yeah, they are those safety nets for the physician. Mm-hmm. You know, we all need safety nets to keep us from making medical errors. Um, for example, the example that I oftentimes will give is, if a doctor is awakened in the middle of the night and writes an order, back in the day, uh, you know, they used to have to come into the hospital and write an order. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, they can uh, do it by telephone or even electronically. Um, but if he wrote, um, give the patient 100 milligrams of morphine, and he meant to say, give the patient 10.0 milligrams oh of gosh. morphine. Oh, my gosh. If a non-thinking nurse were to give that, that would be ten times the dose, just for oh a misplaced decimal point. Oh, my gosh. And back in the day, those kinds of things were possible. Nurses needed to be the safety net for the physician, and a nurse who received an order like that would say to the doctor, Doctor, I think you meant one zero point zero, not 100 right. milligrams, correct? And there are many, many, many other things that are done that, like I said, we have safety nets. Our pharmacists are safety nets. They look mm-hmm. at the orders that the physicians have written, and they serve as a backup. If they see something that looks like a medical error, they stop it. Mm-hmm. A nurse has that same responsibility. If you see something that doesn't seem right, you stop it so that it never reaches the patient. Wow. And so very, very, nurses, yes. Go ahead. nurses have to be thinking, critical thinkers. They have to be the eyes and the ears of the physician when that physician isn't isn't present. Right. And if you've been a patient in the hospital, you know that the that the doctor comes in the morning, makes morning rounds, tells the nurse what he wants to have happen that day, writes some of those orders into the patient's record and then goes to his office uh, or her office. I'm just going to call doctors him so that I don't have to go back and forth between genders if you don't mind. Not at all. Um, Goes back to his office and sees his patients all day. And then at 4 o'clock, maybe 5 o'clock, depending on what time his last patient in the clinic is finished, then he comes back to the hospital to see what's happened in his absence, to see how that patient has responded to the orders he wrote that morning. And those orders were carried out then by the nurse. 
and that nurse watches. She has one eye on the medical record and the other eye is on her patient. And if there's anything about that patient that looks any slight bit different than the patient did in the morning when she first arrived, she's on the telephone calling the physician. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I mean by a safety net. Right. When you're still that teaching nursing. Okay. And you're right, cause mm-hmm. it, but, but you are. And and you're and besides your nonprofits, you're still teaching. Am I right, or do have you retired from teaching? No, no. I'm an associate professor to the UCLA School of Nursing, where okay. I teach in the nurse practitioner program. Okay. So wow. um, I teach I teach nurse practitioners their neuroscience unit. Wow. I teach nurse practitioners how to do a, a very brief read of an MRI or a CT scan. Mm-hmm. This is particularly important if you if the patient who is in the emergency room is thought to have had a stroke. Right. To distinguish whether the stroke is due to a blood clot that has traveled up through the patient's body into their brain mm-hmm. or whether what's happened to the patient is that they have bled into their brains. And that is called a, an intracranial uh, hemorrhage. Mm-hmm. And they are treated 100% differently. So it helps when a nurse can take a look at a CT scan or an MRI and at least have some idea before the final read is done by the radiologist. Now, that's not saying that nurses are radiologists. They're not. Correct. Mm-hmm. But but they at least have to have some little bit of knowledge so that they aren't completely ignorant when they're trying to right. treat their patients. Mm-hmm. Well, they kind of have to know what they're looking for, right? So that oh, absolutely. If they, so because you, you said it so beautifully that the nurses are the eyes and ears of the physician. They can't be there. And um, so that's where the nursing staff comes in to to be there for that physician to give that patient the best care possible, especially if something is changing. You know, yes. if if there's been a change, um, and so I can appreciate why, in a in a hospital setting, that is so critical. It's it's really important. Um, so I'm I'm excited to hear about your Thank a Nurse Challenge, and I'll make sure that all of the listeners have a way of determining how they can participate, how they can set up their own teams. And now that I have an understanding, it goes well beyond this week. This is going to get us to that number of a billion that you're that you're hoping for by the end of this year, and I certainly hope that that happens. I I would like to also talk about your what what started where where you started because what, when we started talking about Operation Scrubs, you had mentioned it was an offshoot of the neuroscience um, nursing um, that you have that organization. So. What year did the neuroscience nursing when did you when did you begin that organization well there's a there's sort of a funny story behind that oh I'd like um, to hear it the I started it first in two thousand four, and yet I'm sure you're thinking, wait a minute two thousand four can that be real because she's been working at u c l a for some years now well mm-hmm. the story behind it um I was working as a research nurse 
for um, probably one of the best known um, uh, neurology researchers in the United States, some say in the world. So I've I've learned under under the the, uh, watchful eye of some very, very accomplished doctors. This particular doctor was Dr. Jeff Saver. He is a neurologist who is widely known for his work in stroke. So as his as one of his research nurses, he would come back from his meetings and whatnot all over the country and all over the world lamenting about how New York had two primary stroke centers and Florida had three and Texas had two and L.A. has only one UCLA. This is just awful. And I thought, hmm, I could do this. And so I quit my job. He wasn't too happy about that. But when he found out why I quit my job, he was quite happy. And that was, I, you know, I told, I told him, I said, Dr. Saver, I can bring up hospitals in Southern California as primary stroke centers. I can do that. And he kind of looked at me and rolled his eyes. And so I set myself up to do that. I knew that this was going to be what they call a niche business, that it was going to dry up at some point. When all of the hospitals in Southern California became primary stroke centers, I was going to be out of a job. And so in 2004, until about 2012, I worked to bring hospitals all over Southern California up as primary stroke centers as a consultant to these hospitals. And I, as a result, brought about 16 or 17 hospitals in Southern California to the point where they could be accredited by the Joint Commission on the Accreditation of Hospitals as primary stroke centers. Back in the day, there was no such thing as a comprehensive stroke center, which then later evolved from the primary stroke center. So I I worked in that capacity for neuroscience nursing, um, like I said, from about 2004 to 2012, And when I could see that my work was done and that most of the hospitals who were capable of doing it had done it, I went back to the hospital as a clinical nurse specialist for UCLA. Uh, A clinical nurse specialist is a master's prepared nurse in a specialty area, and my specialty is neuroscience, study of the brain and spinal cord. So I worked at UCLA for some years until about uh, 2019, and at that point, uh, I decided that it was time for me to take the retirement. They were very generous with me, and I took the retirement from UCLA and started restarted my business, neuroscience nursing. I see. So I have been working with hospitals again, uh, most recently with the Kaiser system, mm-hmm. helping them improve their neuro care, their neuroscience care. And during that time, Operation Scrubs was a very, very small little part of what I was doing, but it was my favorite part. Mm -hmm. I got so much fulfillment out of the work that I was doing to honor nurses and to educate nurses that it sort of took a life of its own, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew to what it is today. Wow. 
So what it a is wonderful a feeling. Yes. Yeah. What a wonderful what how did that make you feel to get to that point right now where you're talking about? How did well, you I feel sort of, inside? <laughs> I was I was abashed really because mm. I was surprised at how many people wanted to see what I was doing, wanted to follow along and wanted to be part of it. And as a result, that particular uh, little nonprofit grew branches. And one of the branches that it grew is called the Los Angeles Nurse Network. And okay. this is a platform, although it's, it's called Los Angeles, it's become national and it's actually become international because we have Australia that's come on board. And what I do is I give a one-hour platform for nurses to present their good work. And this doesn't mean that they have to publish it. This doesn't mean they have to go to a conference, which costs them a lot of money. They can go online once a month, the last Friday of the month, and display their good work. Now, there's a little work behind it because I usually give a continuing education unit for anyone who follows it. So if you, for example, decided that this month you wanted to log on to our talk that was given about intracranial hemorrhage and the use of something called Factor 7 to treat it, I would have given you one hour toward your licensure renewal. Wow. And it's free. Wow. So, and and we we meet monthly, and there's no cost, no membership, no expectation of of joining every time. I have my little cadre that follow me, and I send out the topic for the month. And if it's something that interests you, you might log on. If it's something that you think, yeah, I'm not interested in that so much, maybe you'll log uh-huh. log on the next month. So let me ask you this for those that are listening. Is is this something that that's like in a newsletter form that that nurses would then um subscribe to? Is that how do, how do these how do the nurses get to know about this 1-hour um platform each month? Well, there is a website. Okay. And it's called um it's called the Los Los Angeles Nurse Network.org. Los Angeles and nursenetwork.org. Okay. I'm exactly. With and we meet, uh, there is a topic, the last Friday Pacific Standard Time at 12 o'clock. And one of the things we, you know, one of the things I say is come eat lunch with us. Yes. Is it a so, Zoom? It is a Zoom. Oh, gosh, this is so great. I didn't know that you did this. Um, I will I will certainly include that in the follow up to our to our conversation in my blog to link people that are because it's it's not designed for me it's designed for ongoing nurses and yes. uh, and so you know this is this is another level of generosity that you have that I just you know the more I talk to you I just feel like can we just like set aside a couple of hours and meet over at Starbucks and just continue to talk? We don't live that far from one another because it just I'm so touched by your your generosity number 1, but just your devotion 
to your to your craft. It, it's it's terrific. I, I was curious, and I would imagine the answer is yes. Are you connected to Cedar Sinai as well? Well, I used to work there, <laughs> so no kidding. I, I am yeah. I'm loosely connected now. Okay. I have been most recently connected to UCLA. That was okay. my most recent uh, affiliation, at, you know, where I had a career and a job. Right. Uh, but, yes, I was the clinical nurse specialist for neuroscience at, at Cedars. Wow. And I was I there had for, a... gosh, almost 10 years. No kidding. Do you know Dr. Ravinder Singh? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> well, of course you do because that's how it works in my world. That is how it works in my world. Anybody that knows me goes, oh, God, there she comes again. Dr. Singh used to, I don't think he still lives in my community of Westchester, but he used to. And IMCA, and part of my responsibility was bringing guest speakers to talk about health. And that's how I initially got connected to Dr. Singh. He's He's been on my show twice. You know, uh, not tonight, dear, I have a headache. It's all about how he treats people with migraines. And yes. um, and, and so uh, Dr. Singh has joined me when I was in the studio. Dr. Singh has joined me when I've been on um, Blog Talk Radio. And when you, when, when, you, when you were talking about that, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I know a pretty significant neurologist. And it didn't surprise me that, that you would have known who he is. And I think that that just widens your circle. And, and, and you, you never know. Right, Pam, you never know when you're speaking to somebody what impact that might have by going, oh, my gosh, this is really cool. My daughter is a nurse. My son is a nurse. They or they're neither one of them are nurses, but they are absolutely looking into the nursing field. And this is just, this is just giving me another, oh, I'm just going to use it, shot in the arm. Um, okay, excuse the pun, um, to, um, to help that person learn more. You, you don't have to become a nurse starting at the age of 21. Some people don't become nurses until they're older than that. And, Absolutely. You know, and, and it's also what I have found, it's generational. Were there other nurses in your family? Actually, I was the first. Uh, I okay. came from a family of very distinguished uh, foreign correspondent journalists. No kidding. And I was expected, no kidding, and I was expected <laughs> to follow in the footsteps, and I went to college and uh, started, you know, with that kind of a, a career pathway in mind and mm-hmm. absolutely stunned my mother <laughs> when I, when I called her and changed my major. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Are you finding that as you're speaking to nurses today that there's an enormous amount of stress and burnout that's going on in their careers? There is. There yeah. is. And nurses are givers, and we forget sometimes that we need to nurture ourselves before we can nurture others. And yeah. when you, you, the nurse, hasn't take care, taken care of their own emotional needs, you have nothing to give when it mm-hmm. comes to giving to someone else. Yes, so, I'm sure that's true. Yeah, we need I'm to sure that's first. really true. I, I'm sure that that's really true. Um, let me ask you something else. Um, 
for those people that are listening right now, you've talked about obviously the wall and the challenge. Is there anything else that you think that nurse that people can do that are listening right now that they could do to support a nurse? Are there any other avenues? Absolutely. And one of the things, one of the other things that I believe very strongly in, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term STEM. Oh, yes, STEM. because so many oh, schools. Yes. yes, absolutely. I'm a STEM mentor and wow. for the American Heart and the American Stroke Association. No um, I also am a donor to their program, but I'm very active in the STEM for Girls um, uh, program here in Los Angeles. Hmm. Um, I am currently mentoring, get a load of this, you'll love this. I'm mentoring a 16-year-old young girl, and she is just a girl, um, named Lynette, who is going, she wants to grow up to be a neurologist. She's interested in aspects of brain death. And I thought, what? You know, when I first met her. Yeah, the American Heart Association uh, connected the two of us. And um, she is writing a paper. In fact, that's what I'm supposed to be doing this coming weekend is reading her paper on um, the early identification of brain waves in a in a patient in the pre-hospital setting. Now, this sounds like something someone would do for a doctoral dissertation. Yeah, she's 16. This this uh, this paper is something like 30 pages long. I haven't mm. even cracked it open yet. Wow. But she's an amazing young woman, and uh, so she and I, I've been teaching her about research and. You know, what is a a hypothesis? What is the null hypothesis? How do you prove your hypothesis? What if you don't prove it? And, you know, so she's learning research sort of by way of me. Wow. And I I believe very strongly in mentorship. And it doesn't have to be a 16-year-old who wants to be a neurologist. Nurses need to nurture their own. They need to take those little little baby nurses under their wings Mm -hmm and show them how to go about how to organize their days, how to delegate work, how to work efficiently. And there was a, a paper written in the 1980s, and, it, and the name of the paper was, Is Nursing Eating Its Young? And wow. it just it struck me. I'm not kidding you. I, the thought of that just makes me a little sick. And I decided that is not going to happen on my watch. So I'm a wow. I'm a big believer in mentorship. Wow, you're a big believer in people. I can just say, and I'm just I I, I feel so wanting to support you. Um, I presume that people can donate to your scholarship fund that helps you continue your work efforts. Is there a location that people would know where to go to do that? Absolutely. Um, the the best thing to do is to contact me directly, and then I can get them. Um, then I can get them affiliated. We we go we go through a bank. Uh, First okay. Republic Bank is mm-hmm. uh, is keeping our scholarship monies and whatnot, and it's all part of um, a large. Uh, I don't know how to describe it even. Um, it's kept it's kept in uh, in. A, an estate fund. 
Okay. So that the money the money only goes to scholarships. We don't take any money out to pay our bills or anything else. Thankfully, right. we can do that in other ways. But any money that is donated goes directly to scholarships and not to anything else. I would like to tell people that are listening, but I will also include this in the follow-up, that neurosciencenursing.org, which is that website, does have a contact information. Your email is there. The telephone number is there to your business. And what you're suggesting is people just contact you. And yes. I, I know I have a charitable giving account that I that I donate from. And to think that my money could help provide a scholarship to somebody else I think is terrific. I think the fact that you are mentoring, that you are talking about STEM, I'm just, I'm just on a curious level. So this young woman that you are talking about, this 16-year-old that you're mentoring, is mm-hmm. she is she – doing her schooling from home as she's zooming her education because she's not back in the classroom anywhere? Unfortunately so. It's going to be a while before we see anything very different. So uh, Lynette and I do a lot of zooming and a lot of phone calls and, Mm -hmm. you know, I send her links that she can read and whatnot. And um, so she is in what they call an advanced placement research course. Wow. All right. I won't ask you to name the school, but, you know, I'm going to off the air ask you. Okay. Um, so in the, just a few minutes that we have remaining, this is what occurs to me based on everything you've been talking about today. And one of the things you talked about was burning out and the nurses having to nurture themselves before they yeah. can take care of others. So my curiosity for you is what do you do? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, come on now. Tell me you meditate. Tell me you take a yoga class. Tell me you do deep breathing. Tell me you take a walk. What do you do? Tell me. I'm dying to know. I fish. <gasps> really? Oh, it goes I all do. the way back to those lakes in the old days. Okay, you fish. Where do you go fishing? I haven't been able to lately. Oh, shoot. But, yes, I'm I'm a fisherwoman. Wow. Seriously. I know. Okay, so, no offense, my friend, my new friend here, but since yes. fishing isn't something you'll be doing between now and the end of the week, um, <laughs> although I don't know, maybe you're getting on the car and you're going up to one of the local lakes, but what do you what do, you do like, you know, just on a day where it's packed, like this day has been so far for you? What, how do you just, like, bring it down just one notch? Well, I'm lucky enough to live um, – in the mountains. I live in a beautiful area where there are paths and trails to walk. Nice. And so nice. We, we do a lot of walking. And I wish you could see my little walking buddy. His name is Cooper. And he is a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. I he is know. Just most, he's, he's so The delight cute. of my life. <laughs> yes, he is so cute. Because if people visit your pages and they check you out, they will ultimately see that, yes. He's there. Yeah. He's adorable. So he's your walking buddy. Well, that's good because he needs to walk, right? Absolutely. So yes, there you have it. It makes you do the same. Around here. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know, I I I look forward to. I have a lot of guests that re, that that re, return to my show, especially when they're working on something that is so significant, like you are, to see like 
well, now where are you? And here we are in May, June, July, August, September, October, November. It's a shame I have to use my fingers to do that. But maybe six months from now as we're getting, you know, into the holidays because we don't know what this pandemic is going to bring us in the next six months. But it would be lovely to reconnect with you again, see what's happening with the wall, you know, find out what's happening. I mean, I really do believe that, that you and I could probably spend hours in stories of your connections to others. And honestly, and my connections that I want to give you to the people that I know, like my friend oh, Marsha. I would love that. I, I would friend, love a cup of coffee. Yep. You bet. I sit on an advisory board. You know, I do. I sit on an advisory board with Mona Clayton called the, the Nurses Pub. And uh, we're going to have a big um, gala, gala at, uh, in November supporting nurses. And I know a lot of other people that are nurses, and I, I think that it's wonderful when you are all in community together. And I just want to thank you personally for what you're doing to make that happen because oh, this you. is a special week, and it's Honestly, it's going to be a special year as we move forward to December, and I wish you all the best on the 12th with your with your yacht that I believe is just going right out of here in Marina Del Rey. And all of you, I also would like to challenge you, but in a positive way, to thank a nurse. I'll put all the links that are that you need to see to make that happen. Pam has encouraged me to start my own team, and I'm going to see about how I can make that happen. And I just want to thank you for being so generous with your time today and sharing your story with my listeners. It's, it's been a pleasure. It's, the pleasure was all mine, Marcia. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And, Devin, bless your heart. Thank you for this connection because... Devin Blaine really makes it happen for me, so I just have to give her a shout-out as well. And so for now, I will say goodbye, and I will look forward to having you join me next week with somebody that's also in the medical field, and she'll be talking about what she does. I think I have a month of all women. It just kind of works out that way, and there's five Mondays in the month of May. Go figure. Anyway, everybody, thanks for joining me once again, and I will let you get on with the rest of your day. Be safe, be well, and if you're not thanking a nurse, thank the person that's sitting right next to you and just say thank you. And you might want to start by looking in the mirror and thanking yourself. Bye for now.